You're listening to The Influencer Podcast, episode number 19. In last week's episode, we went behind the scenes of Girl Talk Network with its founder, Sarah Pendrick. Sarah shared how she overcame the comparison game, quit faking it on social media, and stopped playing small so she could uniquely reveal her brilliance and influence. In this week's episode, you learn how to turn your side hustle into a thriving business and strategies to differentiate yourself in a saturated market with micro-influencer and YouTuber, Ellen Yen. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. Each week, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist and New York Times bestselling publicist, takes you behind the scenes with successful influencers, bloggers, and industry elites in conversation to share how they engage, persuade, and grow their unique influence. Her mission is to share exclusive insider tips, wisdom, and action-based tools to help you strengthen, monetize, and build your own industry-leading influence. Hi, influencers. Welcome to today's episode. So happy to chat with today's guest as she is a student of mine. Last fall, Ellen Yin joined a course that I offer called Pitch It Perfect that teaches influencers how to garner free publicity for their businesses and essentially get pitched themselves to brands and media. Ellen was new to the whole influencer space when we met and she started the course. And it has been such a thrill watching her grow from what she has learned from the course as well as what she's just learned throughout navigating her own brand and her own influence and getting to know her audience. Ellen is a fitness and lifestyle blogger for The Everyday Girl. Her goal is to educate women on science-based nutrition and exercise methods for reaching their fitness goals in a sustainable, healthy manner. She inspires by helping women find their joy and purpose. And I'm just really excited for you guys to hear from her today as she's an influencer who is still like in the trenches, so to speak, and who is really succeeding at making her side hustle a lucrative influencing career. So welcome, Ellen. So excited to have you today. Thank you, Julie. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. And if you want, we can just go ahead and dive in. I would love if you could share with our um, listeners today how you kind of first got initially inspired to start your own um, YouTube and your own um, kind of career as an influencer, how you kind of heard about Pitch It Perfect, which is how we connected and where you are now. Great. Yeah. So in terms of how I got started in this whole space, um, if you take it back all the way back to 2008, actually was when I originally created my YouTube channel at the time I was not in the fitness space at all. I was actually doing music covers and that's kind of how I dipped my feet into the whole social media world through that. I built a pretty awesome community of people and I kind of got a taste of what that was like to be able to interact with people all around the world. And I loved it. And then I kind of took um, a hiatus from YouTube when I was in college, but during my time in college, I actually discovered my love for fitness through Instagram. And some of the people that I met through Instagram um, eventually became my bosses, the people I worked for in my first job right out of college. And through my work at that company, I actually got to work with a lot of influencers, but more on the brand side. And so that really introduced me to the opportunities that influencers have in today's world and that this can be a really great opportunity beyond just a fun hobby. So um, that's kind of how I got started in this space. And I love it. I just love connecting with people that you normally wouldn't have a chance to meet or talk to um, if you weren't, you know, involved on social media. 
And I would love to know, how did you come about from kind of like the 2008 era of, of initially doing this, having the job that you had? So of course, which is really unique because you were going to kind of, you kind of got to see like both sides to last year with, um, you know, joining up Pitch It, Pitch it Perfect, what you kind of learned from that and, and even from other things that you might've pulled and how those kinds of things helped shed light on this world and maybe what you needed to do to stick out among the saturation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, going back to what you said about how it's changed since I first started a YouTube in 2008, I think a lot has changed. Um, back in 2008, I think that the whole idea of being an influencer was a very new thing. Um, there were some people who were gaining really large followings on YouTube. Um, and brand deals were kind of a new thing. I remember I used to watch a lot of beauty bloggers back in the day. And when they started incorporating sponsored posts and things like that, it was something that was still kind of an unfamiliar territory. And I think a lot of people had, um, a lot of viewers had some aversion or uncertainties about sponsored videos and sponsored posts. But nowadays I think it's so prevalent, um, and the way that, influencers really work these brand deals into their authentic messages and their platforms and being able to still provide value and content to people. I think it's just become much more of a norm. But with that becoming more of a norm, I think that the influencer space or just social media as a whole has become very saturated with a lot of people who are trying to do the same thing. So that's a, a different kind of challenge that maybe didn't exist say like 10 years ago. But in terms of how I came across Pitch It Perfect, which I just realized I didn't have, uh, I didn't answer in my first question. Um, it was actually because of my friend, Erin, who is a food blogger and she had discovered you, Julie, um, through social and was telling me about how great you are and how much of an inspiration you are. And so I had to go check you out and, um, when I was reading through all of your posts, I was like, wow, she's offering such amazing content for free. And I was so impressed with all the knowledge that you were sharing. And then when you launched your first Pitch It Perfect webinar class, of course, I just had to sign up and it was amazing. It was such a valuable webinar, one of the best I've ever attended. And obviously because of the value that you provided, it really made me want to sign up for your class. And I'm so glad I did because I've learned so much from you and you've been just such a great source of inspiration, but also mentorship, always being available to answer questions and help help all of us in the group out. So I really appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, and I, I love that, I, you know, and I appreciate you, you know, giving my, giving the course and Pitch It Perfect some love and really the community that we've cultivated and created there. Um, but what I love really about that is, is the fact that you as, you know, someone who works full time is also doing this, you know, the influencer game, you saw the purpose and really the the good qualities that could come from really seeking out solid programs or tools or training that you could see could be helpful. And I think that that's a lot of times one of the, um, one of the challenges, if you will, that I see with a lot of, you know, new bloggers or new influencers or new YouTubers, what have you, that will kind of come into the game. They don't really tend to seek out actual courses or education. They just kind of more, 
fly by the seat of their pants if they will, and they'll see what other people yeah. are doing and they'll kind of test those things out. And I do think that that's important to sometimes, you know, see what other people, um, so to speak, are are doing because maybe you'll you'll see, okay, maybe this works in the industry, maybe that doesn't work in the industry. But really how you're going to find out what really resonates and works with you is I think by getting the education. So um, obviously, Pitch It Perfect you have done, but what other programs or tools or training out there have you done, if any, that have been helpful for you? Or what what are some that you could recommend to um, listeners that are listening now? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I absolutely agree with you that continuing to educate yourself and investing in resources from people who have walked this walk and, you know, learned from their mistakes really can advance you so much further in this space than you would if you just try to do it all on your own. Um, Aside from your course, one that I really recommend is Liz Dean's Instagram Decoded. This is actually, it's not actually a course, but it's a an ebook that basically focuses on growing your Instagram. Um, and it's probably the most informative in-depth ebook that I've ever read on actual tangible, actionable strategies you can use to specifically grow your Instagram. She really takes it from a more, uh, technology side where she really investigates the different, um, the different platforms that Instagram is introducing that, a lot of people in this space don't talk about. And she also really kind of breaks apart um, different parts of Instagram, like Instagram's goodness score or um, hashtags and how they work, what the algorithm really actually means and um, the different ways in which you can hit explore page because there's multiple different strategies that come into play with that. And I've just learned a lot from her ebook. So I think that's something I would highly recommend. It's called Instagram decoded. And then, um, In terms of just self-education, though, I think it's just really important to always be seeking out um, podcasts and webinars and videos. There's just so much free information on the internet that not enough people take advantage of. And of course, good old reading can never be, you know, overvalued. Um, In terms of entrepreneurship and business thinking, I think that my greatest inspiration and influence... um, comes from Gary Vaynerchuk. He's, I know you're a fan of him as well. Um, I listen to his podcast all the time. Um, Another podcast that I really enjoy is The Gold Digger by uh, Janet Kutcher. Yeah, she's Um, fantastic. Yeah, she's amazing. So just listening to podcasts, um, watching webinars, researching things, I think self-education is just something that you absolutely have to do to stay caught up on what's going on and to be constantly improving your your, um, influencer game. Um, I love that. And I love that you, you know, that you had this resource, um, Instagram decoded. That's one that I've never heard of. So I can't wait to check that out. And I'm sure that there's a ton of listeners out there right now that are going to be like typing that in as we speak as well. So I'm excited. <laughs> yes, I highly for that. recommend it. Um, so I want to back it up just a little bit, um, because, and you did kind of mention that you, you came from the brand side, um, and you, you kind of learned that game you know, earlier on that might've kind of helped you navigate where you are now. But I know that also in college, you were able to actually graduate debt-free and then pitch your own job. So I would love if you would share that story with us. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the college debt first, because it's kind of tied with my story of how I pitched my first job. Um, My summer of my 
summer after my junior year of college, I read a book by Dave Ramsey called Total Money, called Total Money Makeover. Yes. And it's a very popular book. I'm sure a lot of people out there have read his books. And, you know, it was very life-changing for me in the sense that not what he was saying was, you know, something super profound that no one else has ever come up with before, but just the way he broke money down into such simple, logical um, advice that anybody could implement in a a really easy game plan that you can follow. And so um, I really took it upon myself to look at my student loans and I, and I saw now that this was something that was going to hold me back, a financial burden that was going to limit my ability to use my money for other things that I wanted to pursue. And so I made this crazy goal to try to pay off. It was about at that time, I think almost $20,000 in loans. I made a goal to pay off all of it by the time I graduated in June of that next year. And I knew it was a crazy idea and I knew it may not have been absolutely realistic, but I felt like um, you know, you kind of have to go after those crazy things because you never know what can happen. And so how I went about doing that is I was working as a waitress at Applebee's and all of the money that I made from that job went towards my rent, my bills, and any other living expenses. So food, entertainment, clothing, anything like that. If I needed money for those things, I would have to pick up extra shifts. That was the only spending money that I had. And then um, another thing I did was I applied for additional scholarships my junior and senior year of college. And that's a resource that not a lot of people think to do because a lot of people associate scholarships with um, the college application process when you're a senior in high school as an incoming freshman. But what a lot of people don't realize is that universities and organizations are continuously offering scholarships and grant money to students throughout their college careers. So it's really important that every year that you're in school to look at your department, look within your university, within your community, and see what kinds of scholarships opportunities are available. Some of them are actually targeted specifically towards upperclassmen. So I was able to take advantage of some of those things and I earned, um, not earned, I received a couple thousand dollars um, from those opportunities and it made a huge um, difference in how I was able to allocate my money my senior year. And then the most important thing um, that really set my debt paying game um, into action was uh, getting a second job. And so I know this all sounds like a lot because I was a full-time student. I was working as a waitress and then I decided to get a second job. So it was kind of like working three jobs because being a student, as most of you know, feels like a full-time job. And the third or the second job that I got, um, was actually the one that I pitched. So my junior year of college, um, I had reached out to this fitness company on Instagram called Ledbetter. And, um, I had noticed that they had a great Instagram presence, but they weren't really doing much video content at the time. Um, and so I reached out to one of the owners and I said, Hey, I would love to, create some video content for you guys for free and to blog for you guys. Do you have an internship program? And they said that they didn't, but I wrote them a proposal of all the projects that I wanted to complete for them if they were willing to take me on as their intern. And so they actually agreed to it, which was awesome. And that's kind of how I first started connecting with that company. And then 
my senior year rolled around and I wanted to extend my internship and to take on more responsibilities. And I had a lot of different ideas that I pitched to them. And I think that's really what um, kind of let them see what I was capable of. And I had already, you know, proven my work ethic and some of my skills in my previous smaller internship, but this was going to be a full internship. And uh, and more importantly, it was going to be paid. And so they actually ended up hiring me part-time at the beginning of my senior year of college. And I was working as their publicist, but because it was such a small company, really, I wore multiple hats in the organization. I helped the uh, chief marketing officer with all of our marketing campaigns. I helped with product development. I helped with um, running the social media, just so many different things, just anything that needed help. I was the person who would volunteer and do it. Um, and so that money, um, the salary that I got from that every month, the entire paycheck, I would pay towards my debt. And so I didn't touch a single penny from that source of income being for the entire time of my senior year. And that cumulative, that cumulatively, um, allowed me to pay off all $20,000 or roughly $20,000 of debt by, I think it was May of my senior year. So I actually finished a month early because I graduated in June, 2016. So, um, it was pretty crazy that it actually happened, but I learned so much about myself through that process because it was really hard having to stick to a very strict budget. And when I said, you know, like these are my, uh, $40 for gas for these two weeks, that was it. If I use that up, then it was like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Walk, walk to school, you know, like you can't put any more money than what you said you were going to towards this specific section. And so just being really strict and, um, knowing where every dollar was going and having a name for every dollar before it even hit my bank account. I think that's really what allowed me to pay off my debt. I love that story for so many reasons. <laughs> One, because um, it just really shows how much just getting super, super clear on what your goals are and really focusing down and really being dedicated can re- can 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 do. And, you know, it, it may be like, again, it's like going back to that idea of like being in the trenches, like in that moment, it may be so like miserable and hard and, you know, you may not be able to enjoy the other luxuries that you may see people enjoying around you. But it's like looking back now, it's like you have no debt, you know, and it's like as hard as that was like, that's such an amazing story. That's so inspiring. Another reason why I love that is that actually one of my first book PR jobs, I worked in-house at Thomas Nelson, which is now HarperCollins. And Dave Ramsey's is an author of Thomas Nelson. And I got to actually work that book that you're talking about. Oh my gosh. Yes, no way. I know. That is so incredible. Um, and I got to work a lot of his books actually. And I, I've, I've gone to, Dave Ramsey is amazing. He's an amazing man. Um, his daughter, Rachel is incredible. If you've never checked out his daughter, Rachel Cruz, you should Ellen and anyone else listening. Rachel has her own show and she's just a fantastic woman and everyone at Ramsey, um, you know, at his, at his radio show, at his company, at Ramsey Solutions, his uh, women's conference that he does every year. I just, I have a lot of friends that work for him now and I could just go on all day about him. I just love him so much. Um, so I love that you, that, 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 that book moved you and that, you know, you were able to, 
you know, see the proof in the pudding there. Um, I love that you shared that story. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, that's just, yeah, that's course. so amazing. I love that. That's so incredible that you are connected in a small way to that. I mean, it's almost like, I mean, that's kind of the whole idea of influence, right? Like without even knowing it at that time, all those years ago, your work on his books impacted my life. And now here we are talking and that just shows like what this crazy space of, I don't know, internet and social media can do for people. And that's so cool. I know it's, it truly is the power of connection. And I remember I saw Dave back in November at his conference in Nashville. And, um, I remember talking to him and I was like, you know, there, I got to work. I was, it was such an honor to work your books and they actually helped me get through, you know, a lot of debt that I had occurred after living in New York and after college. And he, he just looked at me and he was like, I was like, thank you. You helped me get out of debt. And he's like, I didn't do anything. You did it. You know, and that's just like how yeah. he is, you know, he's just like, you, you made it happen. You read the book, you, you stay dedicated to it. Um, and he talks a lot about goals, um, mm-hmm. and, and reaching your goals and, and what you have to do. And his whole thing is he always says like, change it, you know? And I think that that, that can be parlayed into so many of the things that we're talking about today. It's like, you don't like your life, change it. You want a new, like you need to get a new job to get out of debt, change it. You know, like you don't like the fact that your following isn't growing, that you're not, you know, engaging with more people, that you're not connecting with more people, change it. Um, and so I just, I love that, um, that you do, you see that connection and that, you know, obviously we're on the same wavelength here because, um, it, it's all connected at the end of the day. Um, my friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. So I do want to talk a little bit more about brand deals. Um, mm-hmm. as, as, an inf- as a micro-influencer, as someone who, you know, has done so fantastic so far on your social media, I love following you and, and seeing you grow. And, you know, you're at, I want to say like over 3,000 followers now, which I think that when we first got connected, you were under two, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, you're right. I was actually in the in the early 1000s. It was like the low 1000s, like 1200 or something. Yeah. And that wasn't even like, what, seven, eight months ago? Yeah, it wasn't very long ago at all. No. I think it was in January. It was around that, yeah. around that point. Yeah. So, I mean, you've grown well over a thousand followers in a, in a pretty short amount of time, which is fantastic, especially, I mean, 
in the grand scheme of things, you know, you may see some people that grow tens of hundreds of thousands of followers in a day, but I mean, (laughs) when you're, when you're actually like doing it the right way and hustling through it and, you know, being in the trenches, like congrats, that's, that's amazing. I want to know for someone who has a little over 3000 followers out there, I want your take on, can you get brand deals? Yes or no. And if you can, how do you get brand deals? Tell us about your experience. So I absolutely think that you can get brand deals when you're a micro-influencer, when you have a very small following like I do, if, and this is the caveat, if you have an engaged following. And I think that is something that you really stressed in your Pitch It Perfect course, and that's something I really took home with me from your lessons, is that engagement really is key to working with brands. Because um, kind of like you say all the time on your podcast, actually, you say, you know, I'd rather have fifty dedicated people who will drink my Kool-Aid and be excited about everything that I'm doing than ten thousand kind of ghost followers who don't who don't care and aren't involved in anything that I'm saying or doing or engaging with me. And I absolutely agree with that idea. And I think that brands are becoming smarter and smarter at this whole social media thing, especially having worked on the brand side. Um, when I was on the brand side, I worked with many influencers who had under 10,000, um, who had just great communities of people who cared about what they were saying and wanted to engage. And so for me personally, I, you know, I'm still very new to this space. So, um, I kind of just try to look at whatever opportunities are available, but while still being, um, while still staying true to my, my voice, and my, my mission and what I'm trying to accomplish here, because, um, you'll notice on social media, there are a lot of kind of like spammy companies that will reach out to you and just kind of throw anything at you for free in exchange for a post or, um, or sometimes it's not even personalized. It's just, you know, you can obviously tell it's a copy and paste comment that they've put on like a thousand other people's pages. And I think you just have to be really um, careful in who you choose to work with because it reflects on you and it reflects on the integrity and the trust that your followers have with you. And so for me personally, um, and this is something that I definitely recommend to anyone who is, um, has a smaller following, go with reputable, um, companies like Influencer. I love Influencer. It's a free company that anybody can join. And it's what I like about it is that Influencer sends you products from um, well-known brands that your sole purpose is to just try them out and tell your honest opinion and share what you think about these things to your followers. And a lot of these products are things that either are brand new to the market or just hit the market. Like um, one of my most recent products I was sent was the Marc Jacobs um, Coconut Dew Highlighter. That was something that just had hit the market at the time that I received it. And so I was one of the first people that got to try it. And it was an amazing product and I loved it. And I like that it doesn't have a salesy tone to it. And I think that when you're when you're smaller and starting out and you're just trying to get experience working with brands and doing these kind of posts, doing kind of reviews for companies, I think it's important just to kind of get your feet wet and to get started and um, and for the first thing on your mind, not to be pushing things on your followers to sell, because I think that can be a huge turnoff. You want to kind of establish yourself as a trusted resource, like a favorite girlfriend that people would go to for product recommendations before you start like turning everything on and being like, use my code, use my code, buy this for me, you know, 
You just don't want to come across that way. And another um, piece of advice I would have for influencers with smaller um, audiences is to work with local brands. You know, like I think a lot of people have this idea that you can only reach out to big national brands and in in that area, sure, you may be at a slight disadvantage if you're going up against someone with, you know, like half a million fo- half a million followers who actually has a pretty good engaged following. Um, but I have found that there's so many great local businesses with amazing products um, that would love to work with someone local um, who knows the community, who is involved in the community, and wants to help their small business succeed too. And I give this as a piece of advice because I actually recently teamed up with a, a local clothing boutique called Tin Roof Boutique in Albany, Oregon. And um, they are just like the owner, Tish is so sweet. And it has been such a great experience for me to get to work with them and get to go in person to the shop, select pieces that I would actually um, wear in my everyday closet and get to incorporate um, a lot of the clothing that I'm given, such as um, um, leggings or whatever, these pieces from Onzi um, in my fitness post, things that I would wear to the gym anyways or buy anyways. Um, so that's just been a great experience for me. And I would highly recommend um, these that influencers reach out to local businesses and see what's available in the area. I love all of those tips. Those are so good. I completely agree with you on all of that. Um, and I love the little shout out to Influencer because I think that that is a great um, driving force for a new influencer out there who may just want to kind of get their feet wet and navigating the whole world of branding and brand deals and, and to really mm-hmm. kind of get comfortable with the process. I think that that is a great one to definitely start with. Um, cause you all, we all have to start somewhere, you know, to grow exactly, and, yeah. and it's, and it's a good way to start to earn an income and really start to monetize what you do. Because when you're able to monetize then you're able to put a value on your work and when you're able to value your work and what you do, that's when, you know, mentally and consciously the shift changes. Um, and you can kind of see yourself more as a business and a brand. Um, Mm -hmm. so I would love to know, obviously, um, you have a lot of moving parts. You're, you juggle a lot of different things. How do you find time to pitch brands and really build these relationships when the whole influencing influencer space is your side hustle? That's a great question. And I think it really comes down to why you're in this space in the first place. Um, For me, I started my fitness Instagram because I fell in love with fitness. It was a new outlet for me in college. It helped get me through um, a huge transition period in my life when I first went away to college. My freshman year, I actually was at a different university. I was going to school in Los Angeles down um, at USC. And it was really hard for me um, to be so far away from home and um, missing my family and just having to make all new friends and getting to know a new city. Um, And I did end up transferring back to Oregon State to finish out the rest of my undergrad. But for the time that I was there, having that as an outlet was just so um, therapeutic in a way for me. It was kind of my place to go to de-stress and to make new friends. And so many great things have come from my love for fitness. And I think that's how I find the time to do this as a side hustle is because I genuinely just love fitness and I would do it if Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and Snapchat, all those things disappeared tomorrow. I would still be in the gym working out and making friends and telling people about fitness. Um, so I think that 
if you have a really clear passion and purpose for why you're in this space in the first place, then it becomes kind of easy to make time for doing something that you love and would do anyways. And I think, um, everything on the other side, growing a brand, growing an audience, brand deals, those are all things that kind of come as a natural, as in a natural way, if, if you're doing it for the right reasons in the first place. And so for me, um, I do work a full-time corporate job, um, you know, 40 hours a week. And so, uh, when I get home some days I am tired and I don't always, you know, have tons of time or energy to come up with a full content calendar as some people who may get to do this all day, um, have the opportunity to do, but I just try my best. And, um, I'm at, when I'm at the gym, you know, I've made some great friends who are willing to film for me and to take videos and create kind of natural content that way. Um, another great tip is to, um, kind of just set aside a day on the weekend to what I call mass produce. So if you have an open Saturday, then spend that entire Saturday, you know, taking photos um, that can last you maybe multiple weeks of content. So kind of build up your inventory and schedule your posts ahead of time through apps like Hootsuite so that during the week, if you're busy or at a job or in school or whatever else it may be, um, it can just be like a very automated routine where you already spent the time over the weekend preparing that content and you can just push it out throughout the week. So that's kind of how I've been able to do it. I love those tips. Those are so good. Um, I would love to know what are strategies that you use or that you have used to differentiate yourself in the really super saturated lifestyle and fitness market. Is there any tips that you can share or advice that you can offer to someone out there who is in, in some kind of niche who, where they just feel like, Oh my gosh, it's so saturated. How am I ever going to, you know, rise to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's a really hard question to answer because I struggle with this myself very often. Um, it can be really hard in a very saturated space like fitness because oftentimes when you post and you spend a lot of time, you know, try to make great content or valuable content or what you think is valuable content and then no one engages or, you know, at your post tanks or whatever it may be and you kind of feel like you're shouting into a void. And I think that I, I'm not someone necessarily who has it all figured out in that sense, but um, I really do think that you just kind of have to, you have to be good at, this is what Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk calls self-awareness, right? Where you look, you look internally and, and ask yourself, what is it about me or my story that makes me unique, that makes me relatable to somebody else in this world who may be going through a similar thing. And um, I think for me, um, it, it's not one thing in specific, but I think that, you know, I, I am in a small town. I'm, I'm not like a lot of fitness influencers who may live in LA or there's a lot of them in Texas or New York or wherever it may be. Um, I'm just a small town girl who <laughs> has grown up in a very small community her life where the, an idea of being an influencer is not even something that a lot of people, if you talk to in my town, would even have a clue what you're talking about if you were to mention something like that. So I kind of think tapping into my local community has been really powerful for me um, in the same way that I said, you know, you can reach out to local brands and pitch local brands, um, reach out to local people in my community who are interested in fitness, I think has really helped grow my audience because 
um, you know, my, my Instagram page is set as a business profile so I can look into insights and see the demographics of who's following me. And the majority of my following is actually from Corvallis where I live. And that to me is pretty cool. Like I would say about 75% of my followers are women living in the same town that I do. And to me, that's so amazing because these are, you know, girls that I could very well pass up in, um, in the grocery store or who I may have gone to school with, or maybe I work with them. And these are people that for me or for them, rather, they follow me because they can relate to, you know, the gym that I go to, the resource that I have in this town that I share. Like when I, if I'm talking about, you know, um, Hey, I tried this great class here and there, whatever, they can actually go to that class because it's, um, it's in the same city. And so I think reach really trying to target your local area and the people that, um, you have a more direct influence over That's something that I would look into. And also just, um, I don't know, like I, I think just sharing more of your story and who you are. Um, you know, I'm, I guess a minority, you would call it. I'm a first generation American. I'm from an immigrant family, um, fitness and influencer blogging is not really something that is normal for people of my similar background. And so I think that by sharing more of who I am and where I came from and um, just different parts of my story that are unique to me, I think it allows other people to open up and want to learn more about you and share more of themselves as well. So I don't know if that helps, but that's kind of my take on that, I guess. I know. I, I think it does. And I think that you really hit the nail on the head with remembering to start local. Um, you kind of have to think of it as like, you know, it's a lot easier to, you know, to, to grow if you start small and, and build on that, you know? And so yeah. it's kind of like, you know, like a baby who's learning how to swim. Like first they get in the baby <laughs> pool, you know, first they get in the, in the little tub and then they get in the mm-hmm. baby pool and then, you know, they may get at the shallow end of the big pool and then they start. And I think a lot of times people just want to go and like dive head first into the 11 foot side of the, the deep pool without really knowing yeah. how to swim. And there's a lot to be said about the support and the nurture and the care that you can get from that, you know, baby pool of your local community. And I'll even, um, sometimes I'll kind of check myself or or I'll I'll even have, you know, students or clients or friends of mine who have, you know, massive, massive influence even say like, you know, I kind of started to feel like I was plateauing and I kind of started to feel like I was flatlining and I wasn't getting growth. And so I really had to step back and, and kind of reassess what was going on. And I realized that maybe I wasn't really serving the platform that I already had, or maybe, you know, maybe there was more that I could do to really serve, you know, my town or my local community, or maybe there was an event that I could host in my town, or, you know, maybe I need to do a better job at like geotagging, you know, when I'm somewhere local and not just always on like some crazy European getaway somewhere, you know, just really think thinking about ways that you can, um, focus, focus in a little bit. So that kind of helps lift you up to grow. So I think that that is a really, a really amazing, um, takeaway for sure that you just mentioned. Um, I would also love to know what has been your biggest challenge as a micro influencer and how have you been able to overcome that one challenge or 
or maybe a few of those challenges. Maybe it was a strategy that you tried that didn't work, or maybe it was something that is a little bit more deeper. I would just, I would love to know kind of what you have faced so far. Yeah. Um, I think my greatest challenge as a micro influencer that I faced is kind of what we talked about in being in an oversaturated space and how do you stand out? Um, in terms of strategies that I've used to overcome that, some of the things you already mentioned, you know, geotagging, that's actually something, believe it or not, that a year ago I wasn't doing unless I was on vacation. I was exactly the person you described where, you know, if I was in Hawaii doing something really cool, I would be tagging all over the place. And then as soon as I returned home, there was no tagging whatsoever. Cause it's like, no one needs to know that I'm in this small little town where nothing ever happens, you know? And so I think that's a huge mistake that I've learned from. Um, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I do geotag everything now. And I think I've also, um, I've modified my hashtags to be more targeted and niche specific. And also just my content. I've really narrowed in on my content because I used to um, kind of do a mix of posts. Like I would do mostly fitness posts, but I'd also throw in quite a few personal posts and um, as well as just random kind of lifestyle posts. Like it just, my content was a little bit all over the place. And something that I've learned really actually quite recently in the past few months is to ask yourself every time before you post, who is this post serving? And this is something that I learned from Jenna Kutcher when I was listening to her podcast, who is this post serving besides myself? And I'm not saying that it's wrong to post something sometimes, you know, just almost, I guess, for the vanity of it, just because, you know, you look great in the picture and you, and it makes you feel, you know, confident about yourself. And I think that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that you have to also kind of take a step back and make sure that you're, your feed isn't just that, that you are offering value to people, um, and that you're providing information. And so for me, and if you look back at my old posts, well, I guess I just archived a lot of them because Instagram came out with that feature. But before I did that, um, if you compare my old posts to my recent posts, you'll notice that I have a lot more, um, long form content where I'm kind of using Instagram almost as a micro blogging platform. And, um, on my, uh, on my posts where I'm not actually demonstrating an exercise via video, if it's just like a, a picture, instead of just putting, you know, a selfie of myself up and being, and, you know, throwing in some random quote or a thing that doesn't really help anybody. I, I actually focus on a topic that, um, I think that women may be struggling with, um, such as how do you, you know, overcome, um, when you, a lot of people struggle with when they're on a diet or some kind of strict, um, fitness program and they, and they feel like they fall off or they lose motivation. Like how do you, how do you overcome that? Or, um, a more scientific thing, like a lot of girls these days want to grow their glutes. You know, that's just something that's big in the fitness industry. And there's a lot of, um, just crap information out there, honestly, and people trying to sell you, um, their guides and all these secret pills and this and that of, um, trying to get you to build your dream body. And for me, I'm just trying to provide free value to my audience so that we build that trust. And so for me, I'll dive deep into, okay, let's break this down. What actually are the muscles that make up your glutes? How do you actually target them? What are the rep ranges that work best for this? 
here's how you can um, prevent this injury or treat this instability, just really like providing actual tangible information that they can take with them. And I guess my affirmation for knowing that this is working is that I'm seeing a lot more comments in my posts. People are actually asking questions or they're um, saying, thank you so much. I'm going to try this next time or tagging a friend and, um, that they want to try it with at the gym. And even cooler for me is in the past um, month, I've actually had two people on separate occasions where I've been randomly in town. And again, this goes back to building that local community. I've had two girls um, on separate occasions approach me and say, Hey, I think I follow you on Instagram. I just want to say, I love your content. And I, um, I actually pull up your workouts when I'm at the gym and I do them and they really, you know, they give me a killer workout. And I'm like, wow, that's like, that was like the coolest thing ever that happened to me. I just thought it was so amazing that to really connect with a real face and be like, okay, I'm not just shouting into a void, even if it feels like I am sometimes, because there's real people, real humans in this world who actually gain some use from the knowledge that I put out there. And to me, that's, that's everything. That's more, um, I don't know, that's more valuable to me than any other type of affirmation I could receive. I love that. And I think that it's such a good reminder to, to all of us that are listening that, it's, that is true. And it's like, even if sometimes you feel like, okay, I'm putting this out there. No one's even really responded. I didn't get a lot of likes. It's really about, you know, kind of figuring out who you are as a brand, what your voice is, how you're going to share that with your audience, and then kind of retraining them to see you and hear you in that way. And mm-hmm. sometimes it takes a little bit of time, but what you'll notice, like, like you said, like, like long form, you've, you've found out that long form copy and Instagram tends to convert for you and work for you well. And that's kind of what your followers and readers want to see and want to read and really now expect from you. So Mm -hmm. I think going, navigating that and figuring that out over time, it is going to help you engage and convert more in, in the long run, I think. Um, which kind of goes into my next question of, you know, now that you've kind of gotten your niche down and you're learning more and more about your audience and what they want from you, what really drives you to continue to grow your business? I think what really drives me to grow my business is kind of stemming off of those interactions that I had with those girls in town who approached me. And it's, that ability to empower women to become the best versions of themselves inside and out and using health as a way to do that. Um, I always say that the, well, one of the things that I really believe in is that the gym is a metaphor for life. And what I mean is, you know, the gym and fitness and all of this stuff isn't my end all be all. It's not my entire life. It doesn't consume me, but I think that a lot can be learned from it. The same discipline, and the dedication and the hard work that you put into your workout or your nutrition or just becoming a healthy person, that same ethic, work ethic and those same skills can be applied to every aspect of your life. And I think um, that's so cool. And more importantly, I just think that there's unfortunately a lot of people in the fitness industry who really try to take advantage of girls, especially in vulnerable places who may not feel great about their bodies or who just may be very uneducated about what they should be doing to achieve their fitness goals. And I know that because I was once that girl. Um, Growing up, I was not someone who you would consider athletic. I was not, you know, 
someone who played like five different sports and grew up weightlifting their entire life. Like this was something that I discovered my freshman year of college. And at the beginning I was very, very lost. Like, you know, there were so many voices telling me to do this or that, and they were all contradicting and I didn't know what to do. And I went through a lot of, you know, ups and downs trying to figure it out. And that's actually what inspired me to pursue a degree in exercise science. Um, and for me, what really drives me up for my business is just that there's so much information out there that's incorrect and that um, really hurts girls and, and, and guys um, who believe in these ridiculous myths about what you can and cannot eat and what you have to do to get that dream body and just all these ridiculous things that aren't even real or based on any kind of science. And my hope is just to, if I could even save one person from making those same mistakes as I did in my journey and be able to help even one person just understand more clearly um, how to actually pursue their goals in a healthy and a sustainable way that doesn't overtake their, their whole lives and like restricts them in such a way that makes them super unhappy and all this stuff that would be my ultimate goal is just to be able to help people who need kind of a guiding voice to take them through the mess that is all the information out there. That's so true. And, and I love that. I love that you have that drive and determination to continue forward. Um, so if someone new followed you today, what could they expect to find on Instagram? Um, I think they could expect to find a variety of different resources. So videos, I try to post a couple videos a week, either demonstrating an exercise or sometimes I post full workouts. Um, I try to include informational posts on nutrition and exercise, but also um, mental health and things that you should be aware of um, beyond just the physical that matter for your health. And I think they can also expect to find um my story and my personality, you know, dispersed within all of those posts. I think that I'm still trying to work on that balance of, you know, including myself and my personal life into my posts without it just becoming kind of like a highlight reel of me and my life and not really serving anybody else. Um, but I think that hopefully when people come to my page, they kind of just see in me a friend that they would be able to, imagine themselves, you know, meeting just like at their home gym or at their workplace or school or wherever in their neighborhood, um, just to see me as a regular everyday person that they could, they could have been friends with or are friends with and just to get to know my journey and my story and to learn from the lessons that I've learned the hard way so that they don't have to go through all of that on their own. Awesome. Okay, well, I tend to wrap this, each episode up, I should say, with a question. So I'm obviously going to pose it to you. What <laughs> does influence mean to you? Good thing I listened to your podcast, Julie, because I was expecting this question. <laughs> um, you know, this question is very difficult, and I don't think there's a single right answer to it. A lot of the guests on your podcast have given amazing answers to this question. And I think I've learned a lot from all of them, but to me personally, influence is having the privilege to be part of someone else's story. And what I really mean by that is it's the impact that you're able to make by helping others discover 
their purpose and passions by living out your own. And I think of it in the way that, for example, celebrities impact us. I think, you know, a lot of us will, you know, never meet our favorite celebrities, but to to us, they have, they've influenced our lives in that they've become part of our stories. The, the songs that we listen to, the movies that we cried to during a hard time in our life, the things that made us laugh or that, you know, a soundtrack that brings you back to your childhood. Those are all parts of your conversations, your experiences, your memories. They become part of your story, even if you never will ever meet them or have a conversation with them, or even if they're not even aware of the influence that they've had on you. And I, and I really believe that is what influences just you becoming a part of someone else's story, whether you know it or not, and the way that you impact their lives for the better. That is a great answer. I love that. Um, Okay. Well, Ellen, where can everyone find you, find your amazing work, find your YouTube channel? Where, where are all the goods so we can start following? (laughs) So I am most active on Instagram and my username is at Ellen Yin Fit. That's Yin Y-I-N. And my YouTube, if you just search Ellen Yin, I should pop up and Speaking of YouTube, I'm actually working on a project this summer. I'm trying to come out with this um, uh, a kind of a health show that's themed more like a a talk show or an entertainment talk show would be would be modeled. Um, I haven't seen much of that on YouTube, so I'd love to do that. It'll be called Healthy Hours, so I'm super excited to get started on that project this summer. Um, and then you can also find me on my blog, ellenyin.com. Um, I'm trying to work on being more active on that. I've been a little bit slackened, but um, definitely Instagram if you want to hear from me daily. But the rest, I would also love for you to check out. Awesome. Well, Ellen, thank you again so much for being here today. If you are listening and want to learn more about Ellen and her amazing work and her YouTube channel, um, more about Pidget Perfect or any of the other great tips um, and references and tools that Ellen drove home for us today, you can do that in the show notes at www.theinfluencerpodcast.com. Ellen, thank you again. I so appreciate you coming on and sharing everything that you've learned thus far, and I can't wait to see what is in store for you to come. Thank you so much, Julie, for having me. It's been such a fun time chatting with you. Are you ready to create your own industry-leading influence? For show notes, downloads, and action-based tips, head to www.theinfluencerpodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's episode, guest, and our host, Julie Solomon. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please take a minute to go to iTunes and leave a review so we can help other influencers like yourself build their own successful business.